and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hello folks and welcome to yet another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. Here in the Sales Chat Show studio, Mr. Graham Jones, Hello. Simon Hazeldean and Mr. Jesson, Phil Jesson is in the chair. This episode is about getting upstream early in the customer's buying process. So, Mr. Jesson, over to you. What do you mean by upstream? Thank you. It's more a case of what does one of my customers mean, because it's a little phrase that came up a few months ago when I was asked to run a session on it, but that's his phrase, and I quite liked it, getting upstream early. And what he was really talking about is um, finding ways of getting uh, in at an earlier stage with the right people at the right time, way upstream in the buying process. So when an opportunity did arise, maybe by then we are known and blah, blah, blah. So it's about playing the long game with a prospect at a time where there is very little return and that of course will not go down well with sales directors listening to this who may have a set of targets that don't allow salespeople to play a 12 or 18 month game because it might always be about this month's sales so that's the principle of what we're talking about so is this connected i know you've spoken on a couple of other episodes um, of the sales chat show of your sort of suspects prospects customers key accounts yes so would this be about salespeople spending time with suspects this is yes indeed this is time spent with suspects uh, people that we have identified or organizations that we have identified as being possibles for the future but at this moment in time we don't know them and they don't know us but we have a gut feeling or maybe we drive past them thinking well that's the sort of organization I ought to be working with so it's at a very early stage so to answer that skepticism if I'm a sales director I want my salespeople spending their working hours on qualified opportunities, ones we've got a good chance to win, getting the maximum return for effort invested. This sounds a bit speculative to me. Uh, Well, I think you're right. There might be some uh, qualification that's needed. So let's assume that has actually happened and the salesperson has sat down with the sales director and the sales director said, well, What's the potential of this customer? Uh, Have we got experience in delivering the solution? Yes, we have. Uh, Have they got a budget for it? Well, they probably have. Are they a business that's growing and developing? Yes, well, we know that from their website and some of the statements that the press are making about them. So you're right. I think there, there is a qualification process that might lead to green lights going on, so to speak, and then the salesperson thinking, okay, well, that is an organisation then that ideally we ought to be working with, but as far as I know, there's no immediate opportunity yeah. 
there. So it's really about how, what advice would we give our listeners in terms of, quote, getting upstream early yeah. so when the opportunity does come up, uh, they are already known and maybe we've already added some sort of value by that time. Well, one piece of advice I could give our listeners is to refer to an earlier programme that was called Should You Scrap Sales Targets? Uh, Because uh, if you you refer to that programme, you'll remember uh, that... uh, You went off on one. That I went off on one, saying that sales targets were a complete waste of time. They demotivate rather than motivate and a whole load of other reasons. And so if you've got sales targets, doing this activity means that you'll be put off doing it because it doesn't contribute to your monthly, quarterly targets. However, there are lead and lag indicators of sales targets. So maybe what Phil is talking about, you know, for for those of you that uh, want to listen to a lively debate, the Should You Scrap Sales Targets episode is a (laughs) must-listen where Mr. Jones, Mr. Jesson and I have a heated debate. Um, But, yes, but the point is, if you are focusing on revenue for example exclusively have you closed the sales you may be taking your sales force attention away from activity upstream to borrow phil's customers which is going to create your pipeline for the future so that's an interesting it is a good it is a good let's assume as a sales director listening to this i've listened to graham's uh, comments on the previous episode Mm. which you referred to as a heated debate in fact i think you'll find it was only graham that was heated Um, Let's imagine that I'm now an enlightened sales director uh, and I say to members of my sales team, well, you have got your immediate targets to hit, but on an ongoing basis, I'd like you to be identifying and working with and getting upstream early with one or two organisations that might have big potential for next year. So let's assume that I'm... As a sales director, I'm doing that, I'm encouraging that, but we still haven't really given our listener any advice as to what getting upstream early means. But I guess in your world, Graham, with the the internet and all of those good things, there's potential to strike up some sort of dialogues with the right people long before they're needed. As long as you don't stalk them online. So you've got to be that kind of balance where you are starting to, you know, plan for those people who eventually you might do business with but not doing it in such a way that appears to be stalky, that you're kind of constantly sending them messages and constantly doing everything uh, on, you know, with them in some way. So one tip you can do is you know, select the company that you want to, or the people in the company you want to work with, and just you know, follow their, because you don't have to connect with them on LinkedIn, you can follow them on LinkedIn, so follow them, but like all the things they publish, because what will happen is you will start appearing higher up in their timeline. So they will have a kind of subconscious memory of you, so that when you do make that approach, they are already kind of slightly warmed up to you, in a sense, because they recognise you... As a name. As a name. And in your digital world, what does connecting with content actually mean? Because I think that's a phrase that uh, mystifies a few people. That's a phrase, it mystifies me. Yes. And you're the expert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think what it means, and I, like a lot of these phrases on the internet, there's about a thousand different meanings and you know, people are using it in a variety of ways. I think what it means is giving people information they can use. So as long as you, if you're connecting with someone and just saying, hello, here I am, 
Yeah, and you know, we must have a coffee, and you know, I'm sure I could chat to you about lovely things, mm. as opposed to connecting with them, saying, "I found this, which I thought would be interesting for you." Mm. So finding stuff that is relevant to their business, their customers, the, whatever it is that, that they're working in, the sector they're working in. Even if even if it's just a press cutting just or something. Yeah, mm. you know, a, a blog post you found, yeah. just saying, you know, I found this and thought of you kind of thing is mm. just, that. I think that's what's meant by connecting with content. Yeah, but, yeah. kind of meant potentially it's an entry strategy yeah. tactic, isn't it, to try yeah. to, you know, get some... <clears throat> I think from, from a, a what should people potentially do who are listening... I think some sort of customer segmentation exercise where you look at the kind of customers and organisations that you're particularly interested in working with, those that suit the services, the capabilities, the benefits that you need. You know pretty much if I look after X industry, these we can usually help X industry with these kind of things. Okay, who else fits that bill? And then make, make some sort of initial contact. Um, our, our good friend Anthony Steers, the telephone assassin, who's appeared on a few episodes of the Sales Chat Show. I think Anthony, probably one of the most successful people at making you yeah. know appointments with uh, new customers that we that we know about, will say something, and I'm probably paraphrasing Anthony badly. So please make sure you listen to the other episodes. Is I'm working on the assumption you won't be interested in buying this right now. But I'm making, I'm getting in touch to kind of have a conversation yeah. about the time, which I think is a very low key, low pressure easy yes for a customer to say yeah we can come in and have a conversation we're not interested fantastic because that's the classic push off we're not interested we have no need and maybe have a little value hypothesis that says companies like you often have this sort of challenge and this problem we've been able to help companies like you solve this problem or realize these benefits how about a coffee and a chat mm. it's probably a new start to then i think the other thing i would say is start to pop these things into the CRM system and follow up and manage them over time. You know, use the technology to remind you to get in touch with Mr. Graham Jones and yeah. to, to, to go and talk about such, such and such. Um, and then I think if you do enough of this, you should be starting every week, every sales month with a reasonable row of leads and opportunities at different stages to follow up on. And there's yeah. some automation you can put into this. So, you, you know, Getting in early is often people are coming to you early. You're not going to them because they're coming to your website. Mm-hmm. So, but what you can do is use chatbots and things on your website to ask them questions like, you know, are you just looking? You know, the classic in a shop, are you? You know, can I help you, sir? And no, I'm just browsing, kind of thing. And they go away. But you can ask you, know, I. You can ask that kind of question. You know, do you need any help on the website? The little chatbot can do that. But you can also ask them. You know, uh, you're seeing them observing a particular product or service on your website, and you can say, you know, are you interested in this now, or are you interested in three months, six months, or are you just looking? And you ask them that question, and then if they say six months, that will automatically populate somebody's. Um, CRM system to alert them to contact that person in six months from that date. So timing is definitely one yeah. thing I think you know you go upstream you might be very ahead. Now if you look at the buying process per se, if you look at any buying process usually something has to happen to trigger it. So we've kind of been having a conversation about waiting for something to be triggered by the customer. There is also triggering the buying process by bringing something to the customer, some insight, some some benefit they weren't aware they were going to have. So you actually are the you are the catalyst for the getting upstream process as well. So I think it depends on the industry that you you operate yeah. in and what you're selling. 
But yeah, no, sometimes you can be the salesperson that triggers the customers, the whole conversation. One of my um, clients did exactly that, uh, Simon, with uh, an event that they called an open day. Nice title, actually. Nice label. It doesn't say, come to this event because we want to sell you something. Mm. It's basically an invitation-only event where the prospect can come and have a look at various new products or whatever, have a coffee, have a chat, uh, and maybe on another day come back in a little bit more detail when the time is right. But an open invitation to come along and meet us and see what we have uh, on offer. Yeah, and it's a soft, it's a soft, easy way, easy way in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but you've got an open day every day on the internet. Why do you need an open day? You've got <laughs> you've got a website that's open for them to come and have a look all the time. So why do you need an open day? What's the what's the benefit of an open day? Because well, there might be the uh, the social side of it for uh, some, or the relationship side for others. Just that physical contact of wanting to be able to <clears throat> ask somebody some rather difficult, intricate technical questions that maybe the, yeah. the website can't do. But back to Graham's website comment, you know, there is the piece of research we've mentioned a few times, um, you know, B2B buyers on average 57% of the way through the buying process before they want to talk to a salesperson. What's happening before that is they're usually conducting some sort of online research. Yeah. So has your company got the sort of stuff that people are going to find useful when they are doing their pre-research yeah. without being overtly pounced on by a salesperson? Yes, yeah. subtly, you know, if you need any help on here, I can, you know, help you, you know, find some way of capturing their details if you can, offering them something useful as part of their research. And even if you don't do any of that, I think just making sure you prominently there when they are conducting research into what into what they're looking for, yeah. I so th then you're likely to be early doors in the, in, the, in upstream in the buying process. I, th I think another aspect of getting upstream early for me is is going native. So I'm thinking of a client of mine some years ago where they identified that they wanted to be a lot more active in the printing sector than they had been. So they identified a number of organisations uh, and converted them, as you said, Simon, from suspects to prospects, you might say. Uh, but then the, uh, the sales team, bearing in mind it was a printing industry sector, uh, they started to read magazines like British Printer. Uh, they went to printing yeah. conferences. Yeah. Uh, they joined up various networks, some of which were subscription-based for £10 a year or whatever. Yeah. Um, and some of them uh, also uh, joined the British Printing Industries uh, Association. Uh, and again, rather like a student as an associate, £25 a year, uh, and they were then part of the network and the language and the terminology and the jargon that on another day they knew they would have to know when pursuing those uh, target uh, customers that they were after. A friend of mine used to run a PR company and he was a member of a thing called a marketing club. So this was for a specific industry. So they had a marketing club, which was all the people who worked in marketing across all the competing companies would get together just to discuss marketing in that sector. So, And he joined that club, even though he wasn't one of the marketers, but they were his customers. Those marketers were his potential customers as a PR company. And so he joined their club because then he could find out what they really wanted and so he was getting his kind of 
getting in early just by going to their events that you know happened once a quarter or whatever it was and he would go along and just find out what they were talking about and got to network with them because he's where they are. Yeah, was kind of like give some thought to who your suspects are going to be and then find out where your suspects hang out, yeah. both physically and online. Mm. What do they read? What do they look at? What do they do? Where do they go? And make sure you're there to yeah. accidentally, in inverted commas, bump into, bump them, into them. Bump into them, which is not accidental at all. You're making sure you're present in their in their mind start to have those early conversations but i would say get it in your crm and discipline it because you may have yeah. quite a lot of these going on and you do i think there is a i don't mean a numbers game in like an old-fashioned cold calling make 100 calls in order to get two appointments but you are going to have to keep a few of these yeah. early stages on the boil because they'll come through yeah. at different times, if at all, some yeah. of them. So. On the boil, that's another interesting phrase, isn't it? And I was uh, working with an account manager a couple of months ago, uh, and I said to uh, this account manager, as a matter of interest, you know, why did you win this particular customer two years ago? What, what was it that triggered it? And he said, well, that was a very interesting question, because I know the answer to that. Uh, and he said that he was told that the reason why he had won the business was for the previous 18 months, he made himself available on the phone to answer some technical questions, and he met the customer a couple of times in a coffee shop in London, again, just to help the customer in his new job as a key decision maker, struggling a bit maybe at that time. So this was reward time. The account manager had been there when it didn't actually matter, you might say, but from the customer's point of view, it mattered hugely. Yes. And some value had been created, the relationship was there. So when the money was on the table for a major contract, that was the only individual the customer thought about and just gave him the business. Interesting. That's the rule of reciprocity. That's a nice so one. So you yes. keep giving. That's a very people. good Scrabble word as well. <laughs> what rule? Um, <laughs> so, the way I play Scrabble. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's one of the six ways we persuade people and, and one of those is reciprocity if you give them something they feel duty bound to give something back to you but it's got to be largely of equivalent value so if you're constantly meeting them and you're constantly giving them support and advice and meeting them for coffee even though nothing comes out of it now in a year's time they give you the contract because they feel duty bound to give something back when you say it's one of six, I'm rather hoping at this stage... Oh, no, you're going to say what the other five... No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm rather hoping we've done an episode on the other five. If we you haven't, know. listeners, on another day, track down our library and well, yours, uh, What will it be called, well, Graham? The six what? The six... Um, principles, principles of, of persuasion. There we go. Professor Robert Cialdini. Professor Robert Cialdini. So there has, we are. I'll just give you an aside. He has just recently written a book with a seventh principle which I wrote a blog post about because saying that uh, I always thought there was a seventh principle and I'm glad to see that he's now finally agreed with is me. His new book title, I forgot one. I know, his, his, his new book is titled, uh, This is the one Graham said I forgot. 
I shall, I shall now put my credibility <laughs> on the line and attempt to remember the six. Commitment and consistency, reciprocity, authority, authority. scarcity, social proof and liking. Uh, there you thank go. you. Yeah. I'm here all week, folks. And the seventh is called Presuasion. Presuasion. An excellent book, by the way. It's and maybe, a very good actually, book, yeah. maybe we ought to do an episode room that think for the... Um, the next time we're together, yeah. we can we can talk about some of the principles of uh, persuasion as well. Excellent. Uh, by the way, influenced by Professor Robert Cialdini, a must read yep. for sales prof- professionals and influencers. Um, definitely on my top ten must yep. read book list. Absolutely. So uh, really, really good book to get your hands on, folks. So any closing thoughts, gentlemen, on getting upstream? Uh, no, other than, and it's an obvious thing to say, um, it's a sensible long-term strategy doesn't always go down well with the sales director or the finance director but I think good salespeople good account managers will fight their corner on that one and say no 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 I am going to be spending five percent of my time on some of these dream prospects for the future uh, and the organization will just have to live with that uh, whilst I do that development work yeah and I I think it is it is about having a different time frame from what are we going to close this quarter? Yeah. I mean, of course, the quarter matters, the month matters, the year end matters. We're not saying it doesn't. But to Graham's point about sales targets, what are you targeting your people on? What are you asking them questions? If you're not having targets, then Graham, what are you asking them questions? Yeah. What are you giving them support to go and do? Is it okay for them to spend 5% of their time on speculative opportunities? Yes, you do have to be careful not to waste your time. But where are you going to be finding your new customers from? And you know, some in some industries with quite a long sales cycle, you are going to have to have a longer term nurturing strategy in place. The only thing I'd say is if you're going upstream, you're going to need a boat. And the one thing about boats when they're going upstream is they travel slowly. So this is not a rapid process. This is something that you're doing for the long term. And that is a great metaphor to end the session on. So get in your boats, folks, and get paddling upstream. If you do it consistently and steadily, probably would be a way to think about it. You'll probably start to develop a sales pipeline that takes care of your new business growth as well. And on that point, I used to work for somebody years ago who used to have a philosophy as sales director Uh, that the sales team, including me, uh, should be hitting 100% of its target in 80% of its time, which in theory then created the time to go and do that other development work, the training courses we went on, the bits and bobs, the R&D stuff. But I think that's a very sensible uh, strategy for any any of us. Try and nail it early and create the time that you need for the longer term. Because if you're going to have to generate new business, it's better to do it over time than rushing around yeah. crazy like headless chickens trying to yeah. desperately find business because you suddenly find the pipelines dried up. So, yeah. and again, a good thing about um, so a good thing for sales managers, sales directors is probably separating pipeline reviews from forecast reviews. Forecast what's going to close in the specific period. Pipeline the longer term at whatever stage it's at, including suspects. Yeah. I think it's not a bad thing. You know, do you know this is going to close? No, I don't. I think so. And I think it's okay. I think it looks it looks promising for now. Let's revisit it. And if we revisit it too long and it's not 
then just drop it. Yeah. But in the meantime, get get paddling upstream, folks. So thank you very much for listening. Another episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com. Tons and tons of episodes now, several of which we've been um, plugging as we've gone through this uh, through this episode. You'll find them all at the saleschatshow.com website or wherever you get your podcasts from. So I've been Simon Hazeldean with my esteemed colleagues, Mr. Phil Jessen and Mr. Graham Jones, wishing you good luck good upstream paddling and good selling folks. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling.